Chara Supply Chain. Highlighting and showcasing solutions for the most complex challenges facing the industry in 21st century by our team of subject matter experts and mentors. Broadcasting every week all year round, we will present the most up-to-date series of podcasts and webinars. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Bijara Supply Chain. Uh, this is Norhadi Yahas and I have very special guest today, Adam Elsons. He is a Global Procurement Director at the Good for Life. And this is episode number 116. Uh, we are going to talk about a decentralized supply chains. How does it work? What kind of benefit of this approach? How is this relevant to be a solution for practicing sustainable development in the supply chain industry? All right, so thanks for joining us, Adam, and it's great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. All right, so um, before we get started, can you please introduce yourself, uh, your personal background, and you may tell us a bit about Good for Life. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks for having me. Um, I'm, uh, I'm Adam. I work for Good for Life currently. Um, my, uh, our focus is around three pillars around the uh, supply chain. It's uh, sustain sustainable sourcing, decentralized supply chain, and agile technology, which bring, bring it all together to make a really smooth transition or, and with our supply chain. Um, so I started out my life in, uh, in supply chain in about 2003, uh, where I was working for a printing company in Australia. Uh, and I believe that there was some missed opportunities around uh, outsourcing some of the product, the, the printed products to, to countries outside of Australia. Uh, so I, I investigated that and we uh, basically, I, I took myself to China and saw suppliers there to, to, to begin the process to print products outside of China, outside of Australia. So uh, very quickly that, that developed into, um, into quite a reasonable business where we were printing a lot of, uh, a lot of products uh, for Australian customers in China and, and we were managing the whole process from start to finish. Uh, and uh, so it was, I was doing a lot of travel up to China at that time, uh, mm -hmm. setting up an office there. And, uh, and then in 2007, it, was, uh, it just seemed the right time to, to actually move up to Beijing, uh, base ourselves there, and uh, to just to oversee things and, and really train up our, our staff there to, to know what to look for um, during the production process and, and, supply, and managing that whole supply chain. Um, so around that time, uh, we were getting a lot of our clients were coming to us and, and asking for, for a lot of other products. So, yep. so very quickly, it, it expanded into you know, a far wider um, amount of categories outside of the print category. And, uh, and we just, uh, you know, just blossomed from there. Um, so we then built out our supply chain to support that. Uh, and around 2009, I started to... I wanted to investigate what the options were to, to start working with, with, you know, suppliers outside of China. Um, and that was not necessarily, a, I mean, it was a conscious choice, but it was not necessarily, um, you know, mm -hmm. looking at it from a decentralized yeah. supply chain at that point. Um, so we started to work with India and, uh, and Vietnam at that time and a, and a couple of other countries uh, and, but not at a, at a huge level uh, that, like we are these days. And, uh, and then 
in 2010, moved back to Australia and managed uh, the business from there. And 2000, oh, we moved to Taiwan in 2014 to, to really sort of focus on that decentralized supply chain and, and opening up uh, more of these uh, emerging markets across APAC, um, predominantly at that time. Uh, to as a as suppliers to for for a global market, um, as I, I could really start to see that China was things were getting a lot more expensive. Rents were going up, wages were going up, raw material costs were going up. Yeah. Um, so it's just uh, trying to get ahead of the curve, I guess, to really focus on that uh, decentralized supply chain model. Okay, so let's start to the the first question, Adam. What what is the decentralized supply chain? Um, Uh, this is a very fundamental question because uh, in other way, people might think about centralized supply chain, right? So we have a decentralized yeah, yeah. supply chain, a centralized supply chain. So what what is different? So basically, um, in its simplest form, it, it is is just not putting all your eggs in one basket. So mm -hmm. um, so China has been at the forefront, I guess, of uh, as the world's manufacturing hub for for. 30 years now and um uh, and it's they've become a really easy country to deal with from a from a supply chain point of view uh, and it's uh, so having that and it's and they're easy because they're easy to use everyone has just been continuing to do it and, and have sort of taken their eye off the ball in in a lot of respects and and haven't looked at other opportunities and i think um We'll come to this probably later, but uh, with COVID has really sort of opened a lot of eyes around that, um, uh, where they've just felt very, become very exposed in their supply chain uh, around that. But uh, in regard to that, it's it's really just looking at, uh, at other countries that can also service or, or other regions that can service particular product categories and uh, and where you can you know, mitigate that risk. So instead of having all your supplies in one location, uh, you, you have a, a broader sense of, of being able to draw upon that if something does happen or you know, it could be war, it could be political unrest, could be COVID, these type of things. Um, there, it really comes down to there is a backup plan. How can decentralized supply chains bring a value in the short term and long term? Uh, so in the, the long term, uh, short term, I think it, it is just about mitigating that risk uh, in, in just having other options. But I think um, you know, longer term, you, you can really start to look, look deeply into it and utilize some, um, you know, some uh, free trade agreements within regions where, uh, where you can you know, really sort of develop supplies in these, these areas. There's also the, um, I guess, from the sustainability, if that's a priority for, for, um, for a, a buyer, um, you, it really allows you to help develop some of these uh, supplies in these emerging markets uh, to, to work with them to, to, you know, to increase their, you know, improve their employment conditions, improve, you know, promote women within their, their operations into leadership roles and, and, you know, You know, use more sustainable methods in their production where you can sort of you can help them push them along the way there and support them along the way to, to be able to do that um, that's probably the longer term uh, right. I guess benefit from from our side how does the decentralization mitigate the risk of supply chains uh, particularly post COVID-19 Adam Uh, so I think post COVID-19, to be honest, I think the risk was always there before COVID. Um, yep. uh, you know, not, I don't think anyone could actually predict that what, what COVID had done, but, um, in my mind, there was always that risk there that, uh, you know, 
China can be a little bit temperamental at times. You saw obviously the trade war with the US where that, you know, the tariffs were increasing on different products at different times. There's the potential this may happen with this Australian, uh, Australia as well with China. Um, so I think the risks were always there. Um, but what COVID did was, was really make the company sit up and take notice and, and it, I mean, I worked with a company in, in Hong Kong that are a very long-term professional uh, procurement um, outsource company, I guess you'd call them. Um, and, and they, when COVID hit, they, the 98% of their suppliers were based in China for their global right. market. Uh, so when, when COVID hit, they were 100% just exposed to, like you wouldn't believe, um, and, and they had no backup plan. Uh, and I think, you know, these are the sort of things that, you know, many, many companies uh, got, got hit by where there wasn't, they, they couldn't move production to Vietnam or they couldn't move it to Malaysia or to wherever else um, uh, because they just didn't have the backup plan there. Um, so I think this has really flagged a major issue for, uh, uh, for a lot of uh, companies, even the, the ones that have been around and, and are for a long time and are very professional in this sort of area. Um, they've sort of, because of the ease of using um, supplies in China, it's a, they're a very well-oiled machine. Um, they're easy to deal with. It does take time and effort to develop a, a supply chain outside of China. And, and there are inherent challenges as well with that um, because you've got, you've got su suppliers that are not as well geared up to just, you know, from a, from a scale point of view, from a production capacity point of view. Yep. Um, and, and even, you know, even you can run into some, some different cultural issues that you make not come across if you're dealing with China that are, are well used to working with, you know, with, with foreign companies and that type of thing. This would be the last question. Um, what, are, what are some critics away from, from this topic, Adam? Uh, so I think for me, um, it's, you know, decentralized supply chains create opportunities uh, around sustainability. And that's comes back to the long-term uh, benefit of, I believe, where you can actually, uh, you know, you can really see the difference that, that you're making when you're working with suppliers and building that, that longer-term yeah. relationship, um, you know, where they're in, you know, they're an emerging economy where, uh, it, you can see the benefit where, okay, this year, and we, we do this through through our um, management of our suppliers, where we, we see, okay, this year they had one woman in, in a leadership role, you know, next year they had two, they had two and, and we sort of, you know, you can actually see the, the difference and, and their continual improvement where you don't tend to see that. So from a, I guess, from a social sense, you, you get that, that benefit there uh, moving forward. Um, if that's a, I guess, a, an element that's really important to, for the purchasing departments. Um, like I said before, it's, it's not for the faint hearted. It needs a conscious effort to, to develop the suppliers. And it takes a lot of hand holding with the, with the suppliers. Um, and, and like I said, if you've been working with, with Chinese suppliers for a long time, it, 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 it is, there's a lot of work involved in that. So, you know, for instance, if, if you're utilizing a supplier in, in Poland or Romania for, for the UK market, um, you know, number one, you get well, up until the end of this year, the benefits of, of being within the EU. Um, uh, you've, you've also got the speed to market. Um, it can be, you know, three, four weeks quicker. Um, and, and also reducing your carbon footprints through minimizing the logistics and, and the shipping 
um, sort of elements of it as well. So, uh, so I think there's there's a lot of those sort of uh, key benefits as well, which are maybe a little bit more hidden. Okay, so um, thanks, Adam. Thank you for taking time with us. Um, have a great day. Thank you. Bye. At Bichara Supply Chain, we are committed to driving global perspective to embrace technological adaptation in improving process efficiencies. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share Bichara Supply Chain. And stay tuned for the latest updates. To learn more, visit our website www.bicharasupplychain.com. Thank you for listening to us. We look forward to seeing you at our next episode.